You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is the Monday episode of the Just Baseball Show. It is Monday, December 13th. Jack McMullen, Aram Layton. I've got uh, my iPad ready to go with some notes on the Indians, or the Guardians, sorry. We're talking about the Cleveland Guardians, and we have been blowing up that team week after week. (laughs) As we've got into the lockout, we're saying, how can we dump Shane Bieber? How can we dump Jose Ramirez? For you Guardians fans out there, I don't know how many of you there are. I don't know how many of you are listening. We are going to turn you guys into the champions of the AL Central and a contender in the American League. But first, Aram, we watched our alma mater play a basketball game. We're both big college basketball guys. They lost to Georgetown. Syracuse-Georgetown is always a good game. In the 80s and 90s, it was because they were both good. In 2021, it's because they both suck. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, Georgetown lost to Dartmouth. Uh, Syracuse, then by the transitive property, lost to Dartmouth as well. Um, It was brutal, man. It was brutal. Uh, I know you and I are are like miserably exhausted with the two three zone. Uh, this is just this team. This team cannot run a two three zone when you have no athleticism and no length. That is exactly what a two three zone needs. Um, and I would not say that this Q's team has either of those things. Yeah, I I would concur. Um, here's the thing about Syracuse. They're really good when they've got really good athletes to fill in defensively. And then they get in, they get out in transition Mm -hmm. and it's a blur, right? You think to CJ fair, you think to Johnny Flynn, you think to Rakeem Christmas, you think to shooters like Sutherland and Brandon Trish. That's just not what this team has. They've got a couple of really good scorers and buddy Bayheim is like a top 15 to 20 scorer in college basketball. But aside from that, you've got a lot of guys that I don't know can defend really well. No, but on the flip side, what I am really happy about is it looks like we got a lot of parity this year in college basketball, right? Purdue goes down again. It looks like they might be that dominant team. Gonzaga looks, I think they're going to get hot at the end of the year, but they're a beatable team, at least at this juncture. We've already seen that. There's nobody that's truly, truly dominant. Duke Uh, is still good. Who am I missing here? You're missing Baylor, who just 20-pieced Villanova. Yeah, see, I need more to be sold on Baylor. I I need more. I think they're great, but, like, everybody's beatable is what I'm saying. Like, there's not this, like, clear-cut, 
I think two or three teams that just own everybody else. I think we're going to have a pretty wide open tournament this year. You know I, I, as far as I see. So you're Florida born and bred, but you are now living in a shoebox in uh, Manhattan. Although you have added some art to your background. Good. For yeah. You. I gotta, I, I gotta hang it up. Um, for those watching on YouTube right now, like they're probably like, what is all that? Um, I gotta hang it up. Right now, it's just sitting on my couch, so I figured I'll throw it behind me. But there's a good assortment of stuff here. You you can't really see it, uh, but to the far left, if those who aren't, you know, watching, uh, but to the far left is tickets from all of the games of the 90 or the 2003 World Series for the Marlins. In the middle is Jason Veritek shoving A-Rod in the face, and it's a perfect snapshot. And I don't even have a problem with A-Rod. I just think it's hilarious. Top right is me from Universal Studios stuffing LeBron on a dunk. Um, I'll bring that one closer next time. And then top left is Al Leiter's final pitch and his no-hitter. You know, longtime family friend of ours, and he he gave that to me way back, and uh, I've always held on to that one. And then there's nothing else. Um, So I've got some other stuff in the the mail, but uh, I I didn't want to put the premium stuff out here. I've got like some of the hand-me-down, dad-signed Mickey Mantle picture. That's not coming to the shoebox over here. That's going to stay in safekeeping over in uh, South Florida. Yeah, you and Pete are actually getting down for a little getaway to South Florida this coming week, and I decided to mail you a print. I am looking forward to seeing that on your wall after the holiday season. Um, But, you know, you're in Manhattan now. You've got to feel like a New Jersey transplant. So last Thursday was your night. Seton Hall and Rutgers getting massive wins. I mean, that was probably – that was huge for you. Yeah, I really felt it. I really felt it. Yeah, I mean, I the, the closest I get to experiencing New Jersey is I fly into Newark and hop straight into an Uber. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have much, and I'm sorry to any of our listeners that are from New Jersey. I'm sure there's beautiful areas in there. I just haven't seen them. So until I see those areas, not a big Jersey guy, but I do like Seton Hall, and I'm always going to root for a little Rutgers action. So it was cool to see both those teams pull off some uh, some nice little upsets. Or not even for Seton Hall. They're legit. Yeah, my mom's from New Jersey, so you're a dick. Uh, no, I'm very sorry, Miss McMullen. Perfect. Thank you for the apology. Let's talk Cleveland Guardians because they have a very weird situation. Yeah. Like I mentioned off the top of the show, I mean, we have been trying to blow up the Guardians and we're saying, you know what? Dump it. They got a top three pitcher in baseball. I think the second best pitcher on planet Earth. And they've also got a top 10 hitter in baseball. And we're saying, you know what? Like, just take all that and, and screw it. Like, blow it yeah. up. But the reality is, if any other team had the second best pitcher on the planet and a top 10 hitter on the planet, they'd be saying, we got to capitalize. This is our window right now. And the reality is, you've got to write up on JustBaseball.com. They have kind of capitalized on this window. It hasn't resulted in a World Series, but they've been consistently really good. Yeah. I mean, dude, it was crazy. I didn't even realize it until, you know, we we talked about it on the phone and we were kind of going over what we were going to discuss on this episode. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, the Guardians have been, you know, Cleveland baseball has been good for a while now. I mean, they finish over 500 almost every single year. Last year was the first year since 2012 that they hadn't finished above 500 and they won 80 games with Shane Bieber missing half the season, Tristan McKenzie missing a ton of the season, them selling a little bit. You know, trading away some of their pieces, uh, Eddie Rosario struggling, like, and they still won 80 games. Uh, they've made the playoffs three out of the last five years, and they're only, I think, kind of reloading. Yes, you trade Francisco Lindor away, but you know, you look at them now, they couldn't afford to pay Lindor that kind of money 
uh, if they want to even have a shot at keeping some of these other guys and Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez. And I think now that they kind of have this, have this opportunity to see where they're going over the next year and then figure out if, if they want to try to continue to go for it. But when you look at the roster here, they won 80 games despite the departure of Lindor and for the reasons I said before, and they've got a lot of young talent. We talk about training guys away. It's interesting though, because they have these pieces, Jack, but they also have kind of a, a, a time limit, right? Because you have three years of control to Shane Bieber and two years of control to Jose Ramirez, unless you somehow work out another extension, which is unlikely. Yeah. That's the ticking time bomb for them because it's like, do you go for it now and try and win in the next two years or once Ramirez departs, how are you going to replace that? Where are you at there? So that's this weird in-between spot. So we're going to try to make a winner knowing that that clock is ticking a little bit here. Yeah, and, and the thing that's so special about the Guardians is I can even push back on that saying that their window's closing because, yes, you lose two outstanding baseball players, but they are one of the best organizations in baseball at developing talent. So much like Tampa Bay, they're always fostering the next team up. They're always fostering the next wave of guys that they're going to have big league control of for six years if they so choose, which is kind of crazy to think about. And the beauty of the Guardians organization is they are good from the top down. They're good from the office of the general manager all the way down to the bullpen catcher. They've got a really good manager in Terry Francona. And I know he was dealing with some health issues. So DeMarlo Hale was the interim. That's an important point too. I mean, one of the best managers in baseball wasn't available for for a lot of the year. 100%. So we know how good Tito is at his job. We know how good his assistants are at their job, kind of his cabinet. And we also know that they are pretty effective at playing in the sandbox with not the shiniest toys. They don't have, you know, the steel excavator. They've got the plastic excavator, but they're still getting sand up. Like they are good at doing things within their realm of budget, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I did see a level of, of as some tweets I had about the guardians to kind of feel things out from the fan base over the last few days, I see a level of frustration from fans of just the lack of spending, uh, which, which I totally get, you know, that, that's understandable. And you can say, yeah, any team can theoretically spend. And yes, the guardians can spend more. They have nothing committed to, to this coming season. They have no excuse not to spend a little bit more. Are we expecting them to spend 150 million? No, uh, but they should definitely spend more. I think they can lock up Shane Bieber. So as we go into what they can do next, look, I think it's asking a lot. I think they're capable of it, but let's be real. I don't think they're locking up Ramirez for 300 million plus is what he might get. You know, he's going to be 30 years old, so he might not get that much, but he's going to get in the annual value department, a lot of money. You could pull something similar to what the Marlins just said with Sandy Alcantara and do that kind of unprecedented deal with Bieber, where he's got three years of control. You do the pre-arb deal, get yourself two more years of control on the back end, and you save some money in annual value. They can pull that off if the Marlins just did. That kind of leaves you with just the two years of Ramirez, but you have Bieber for the long haul. I think at that point, you can kind of say, okay, the window is still there for a while. And even if you have to, at some point, deal Ramirez, you can get big league talent back. But let's kind of talk about, I guess, how we can make this team good, Uh, because I'm going to bet on them being able to extend Bieber. I think they can leverage that. The guy that I think is going to need to go get his bag is Ramirez, because he took the cheaper deal to give himself financial security. And now he wants to go get that generational wealth. And I don't blame him. Yeah. And and with that deal that looks a lot like Alcantara's, you know, extending the window just a smidge is still extending the window. And Mm -hmm. we learned with Wander Franco and the Rays. If you really want to pay somebody, you can pay them and you can figure that out within your budgetary realm, how to pay them. 
I've got a glass of red wine right now. It's a Sunday night. Somehow the Bears are up on the Packers right now. It is the first half, but I'm feeling saucy. And let's go through. I've got it on the iPad. Remember, I've got here. I'm, I'm putting the wine down. I'm picking up the iPad. I've got a depth chart for the Cleveland Guardians here on my iPad. I'm ready to go with the pencil here. Uh, you want to start in the outfield? You want to start on the mound? Or you want to start working around the infield? Let's start with like the part that I really like is the mound, right? So yeah. this is why I think they can be competitive next year. Is yeah. that, I mean, we already know they can be competitive. They, they were flirting with 500 and they're going to get a lot of, of steadiness hopefully back. But you got Shane Bieber at the top who presumably if healthy, like you said, one of the best arms in the game. Uh, that's your guy. That's your ace. There's very few teams that have a better anchor to their rotation. Only one or two. Uh, then you got Cal Quantrill and – that's somebody who on the second half of the year had a sub two ERA, as I wrote in the piece, which is linked in the description, by the way, too, kind of breaking this all down. Um, Tristan McKenzie. I know we both like McKenzie and there's a, a couple stats I point out in the article as well with McKenzie. He walked many, many, many less batters in his final 14 starts. I believe it was something like, and I might've butchered it slightly. So you have to read the piece. I'm not just trying to bait you into clicking it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it was something like 39 walks through his first 11 starts and then only 19 walks through his final 14 starts. It was something along those lines. It was a very dramatic discrepancy. That's a huge sign of encouragement because we know the stuff plays. You've also got here the forgotten child, Zach Plesak. Yeah. Plesak What's the deal on. with him? What's the deal with him? I have went no idea. On, he's good. Yes. But he struck that's out nobody last year. So, but, but regardless, like that's still a good arm in the and like even if he's between what he was in 2020 and what he was last year, that's a good arm in the back of your rotation. And then they've also got Aaron Savali, who's like not bad at all. It's a really solid high floor arm that you know what you're getting at. Um, go ahead. We were praising, praising love with Daniel Espino too. Oh, yeah. He is not necessarily there to break camp in 2022, but he can get there in the summertime or he can get there in 2023. So if we're looking at the window, you've got a five of Bieber, Quantrill, McKenzie, Plesak, and Espino. Espino will not be the five. Espino with his stuff is going to be the two or the three. In reality, they've got a gluttony of pitchers there that they can work with on the mound to start games. I want to dive into the bullpen right now because they've got three guys that are going to break camp surely. Actually, one of them might not. Emmanuel Classe is one of the best closers in baseball already. And he's already. 23 years old. Insane. 102 mile an hour cutter. Anthony Ghost is about to hit his yes. first year of arbitration. Yes. Who throws 100. He was an outfielder, but he throws 100. He doesn't just throw 100. He threw 46 pitches 100 miles per hour or over between double or between triple A and the big leagues last year, he threw, I think it was 16 pitches, 101. So, I mean, this is stupid velo. And you know what? With Cleveland, he has developed a slider. And I'm looking at clips of this slider. He had some of the ugliest swings against him I have ever seen. If he just even remotely commands it with those two pitches, he will be a disgusting lefty out of the bullpen for them. Between him and Class A, that's ridiculous. And you cannot forget that James Karinczak, like he really sucked in the second half. And we can put up the timelines with the sticky stuff cracked down and then also his spin rates diminishing. The guy still struck out 33% of batters last year. That puts him in the top 6% in baseball. 
It's not 48%, which is just outrageous, which is what he did in 2020. So even if he's a watered down version of himself, if that's your seventh inning guy, if that's your eighth inning guy, even like you're still in great shape. I think he's going to still bounce back a little bit next year. I think he just really was somebody that depended on some substances a bit more, but let's be real. I mean, this is a guy who's really good regardless of, of the sticky substance or not. I think he just had to adjust a little bit. He's really, really good. And James Karinchak, you know, this was the next guy on my list, and, and we shit on him all the time in the back half of 2021 because there was a direct correlation. All of a yeah, sudden, it, he it was sucked. Blatant. It was blatant. It was, it was, it was blatant. It was blatant. Spin rates. But the reality been... is, like, he didn't put his baseball career on pause for this lockout. He's going to figure out how to throw without yeah. the substance yeah. during the lockout. He's going to come back, and we know how skilled he is. Even with the stuff, without the stuff, He's a major league reliever. Maybe he's not an all-star, but he's a big league reliever. A very good one. Looking at this pitching staff in 2022 and 2023, I'm saying you need probably two more relievers. Yes. Yes. Cheap. But that's the thing is, is I trust Cleveland to identify two affordable relievers and have them be really solid arms. It's a really deep market this year of bounce back candidates of guys who could just use a tweak after struggling a bit last year. Or if you just want to give up a couple four or 5 million, I could see Cleveland doing that because you've got the rotation. You build this elite, elite bullpen. You know, that offense, even if you address it, which we're going to get to is still going to be your weakest point probably. But if you have, a great rotation, which we think this can be, uh, given how good Quantro was and, and all the other details. And if Plesak bounces back, forget it. This is a fantastic rotation. And closer taken care of. And if Ghost is who we think he can be, you go get some two quality bullpen arms. This is a team I'd expect to be in the top eight or better when it comes to a team ERA uh, across the board, which so. puts you in good shape. I think even with this staff as is, if you don't get two bullpen guys and you just fill it in with triple-A, with quadruple-A guys, I think it can still be a top eight staff ERA team in baseball. Can you get 100%. into the top five, right? That's, and I think that's dependent on if McKenzie takes the next step mm-hmm. and if Plesak can bounce back. If mm-hmm. those two things happen, this is a top, top five or six rotation in baseball. And if Quantrill holds serve with where he yes. was. Yes, absolutely. So you're asking for three things. If two of those three things happen, which I think Quantrill is going to be somewhere between his first half and second half, yep. I think that Plesak is going to bounce back at least to a degree. Even if he doesn't completely bounce back, that is a hell of a good number four or five in your rotation. And I think McKenzie is going to continue to get better. It's really about the health for me with him. So I think those things are all going to mildly happen to a degree. And then one thing I want to mention too is that they have – depth as well this is a team that had 11 guys 11 prospects added to their 40 man two of them that i really like former white sock connor pilkington Mm -hmm. had a great year in double a lefty that guy can go in your bullpen or he can be that that auxiliary player because we know it's baseball someone's gonna unfortunately get hurt or miss some time and that's where teams really separate themselves in my opinion the marlins had a great rotation but what happened? They got guys that had guys get hurt and they had no contingency plans. It doesn't matter how good your five are when two get hurt and you're rolling a three-man rotation and have no chance two out of five days. That's 40% of your season. Not a problem with this team. I love Pilkington to fill in and I love Tobias Myers from the Rays as well. Go ahead. What you just explained with starting pitching depth has been the Yankees Achilles heel mm-hmm. over the last three to four years. Yeah, absolutely. It's That's great. You have... Top end talent, sure, but it's 
inevitable that someone's going to get hurt. And when you plug in somebody that's me or you every fifth yep. day, it, it doesn't matter how good your, your other guys are. You, you got a loss. Yeah, and the reality is the White Sox won 95 games because Reynaldo Lopez stepped up and threw when Rodon was dealing with shit, when Lynn was dealing with shit, when Giolito had to miss a start or two. Like, that's the kind of guy you need, and they've got it, which is really nice. This pitching staff we don't think needs many tweaks. The offense got no hit like a billion times this past year. Yeah. They were bad. Bad. And, it, and what's crazy is that overall, the statistics weren't that miserable. I was expecting them to be worse. It was just sometimes they just did not show up. And yeah, and yeah they only had two guys with an OPS over 800. So I think that kind of says everything you need to know, though. I'm going to walk us through position by position. I want to end with the outfield because I think that's where we have the most questions. Yeah. Let's start behind the plate and then we're going to work right to left across the infield because third base is fine. Uh, shortstop, you could argue, is fine. Let's start with the catchers. They've got Austin Hedges and Bo Naylor right now with the big boys. That is not a division-winning catching tandem. I think you need another guy to platoon with the two of them and just have Hedges and Naylor as quadruple A guys. Well, they picked up Sandy Leone. So, uh, <laughs> and I, I got to see a lot of Sandy Leone, one of baseball's best two-way guys. Was great out of the bullpen for the Marlins last year in yeah. five appearances. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it can't be Sandy. It, it can't be Sandy Leo. No offense to him. You know, solid career, but no, no, no. Hedges is a great defensive catcher who you know is going to run into baseballs, but you need someone to balance that out, like a Francisco Mejia, who they obviously traded away right. a, while, a while ago. That's like the exact person I think they need is like that bat, too. Uh, especially when you're already giving up so much offensively. I, I'm curious what they're going to do. Bo Naylor wasn't great. You know, I, I didn't love him in the minor leagues last year overall. I, I don't love his defense either. So that's something that I'm, I'm curious if they're going to add. I have a weird feeling that they're not going to add in that department. I don't think they're going to add because I think the guy that they view as their starting catcher moving forward is currently in the minors and he could break camp with them in 2023, not 2022. Brian Lavastida is a really talented catcher. He can also hit. He's got the durability to catch 110 games and he can DH an additional 30 more. So if you have a solid backup, Lavastita is a guy that can come in and handle a staff and hit 20 bombs right away. He might be, he might be a guy that they count on to, you know, there's always a couple of surprising guys that get that bump. And, and I like that you bring him up because he might be one of those surprising guys. I mean, he, he hit really well in double a uh, and he even got a cup of coffee at the end of the season in triple a. So, you know, if he's swinging it early on and, you know, Sandy Leone is, they've realized this Sandy Leone, uh, if he ends up making the team, I think he's an on-roster invitee right now, uh, or, you know, whatever their platoon situation is, isn't really living up to it. I think we could see him up if he's hitting in AAA by, by the middle of the year. And um, that's, that's a nice little contingency plan. And that's part of the reason why between him and Bo Naylor, I think they're going to kind of just let it play out with, from within. And I'm okay with that if they address some of the other spots we're going to talk about. Yeah, totally forgot to mention the DH, but they're totally set there. Franimal, Franmil Reyes is, I mean, he has the capabilities of 40 homers, 110 driven in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's somebody that I think started a bit slow last year, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he had a tough stretch at some point, but that then really right. sorted it all out. Um, he, he rakes, he rakes. And he's one of those two guys in the entire lineup that had an 800 OPS. It was him and, and Jose Ramirez. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's somebody you're, you're expecting to anchor that DH spot. Uh, but the outfield's definitely a spot where they have to answer. I know that's what we're going to end with, so we'll go through the infield now. 
Yeah. Let's start at first base. Do you like Bobby Bradley? Not really. Okay. Why not? Like, for, for this team, yes, a little bit, just because they're so desperate for power. They have so many guys that are just, just not really going to have a chance to impact the baseball the way that Bradley can. But Bradley's swing and miss to me is just always going to hold him back from being a legitimate, you know, regular. I just don't see how you can be a full-time player with the kind of swing and miss that he has, but I'm not going to fully give up on him. He's still 25 years old and he did have some good stretches last year. I think the best bet, the most realistic scenario for him is that he's a platoon guy that you just do not put against lefties. I mean, the guy strikes out 40% of the time against lefties. If you just deploy him against righties, He's going to run into baseballs. He's going to hit home runs. He's still going to strike out a shitload. I don't love him. But in the meantime, when you're so desperate for power, not a bad guy in a platoon role, maybe at first base slash DH, if you really have to. Yeah, I think so. Like if you're in a pinch and you can't get anybody, and I do want to bring up some guys here when we finish the infield. Um, and actually, let's bring up free agents after we go through the outfield too, and we'll identify the holes that we need to fill here. Um, but I think if you need to bridge the gap and like buy yourself a little bit more time, he's not the worst option, but he's not an option to win a division next no. year. No, no Second way. base is interesting. You've got Andre Simenez, Owen Miller, and then Gabriel Arias too, who's close. He can probably get there. I think Arias is the guy. Yeah. When I look at the future of the shortstop position, I think you're spot on, right? Like Gabriel Arias is one, one of my, one of my more underrated prospects. And I, I feel like I've talked about him a lot as an underrated guy. So at this point, he's not even really underrated anymore, but he's just been so consistent that people kind of overlook him. He's always hit uh, at least since, since 2019, you know, the last two years we've seen him, he's consistently hit and the defense has gotten better. Uh, the approach has gotten much better. And he was a big part of, of that deal to, that sent him over from San Diego. I mean, he was one of the main pieces that they really wanted in the Clevenger trade. Yeah. And for good reason. I think he has a little bit more defensive prowess uh, than Ahmed Rosario right now. Obviously, Andres Jimenez is, is a defensive stud, but we just don't know if he can hit. This guy can hit. I mean, this guy launched 13 home runs in, in AAA last year in just 115 games. And I think it was more so because he wanted to be more focused on his all-around approach. When he, he has the power to hit 25-30, he hit 17 homers in high A as a 19-year-old. Like, I think it's important to know this guy's still 21, and he oh, yeah. hit well. 115 WRC plus in AAA with some good defense. Strikeout rate down, walk rate up. I like this dude. And I don't know if he's ready to just take over the position next year, but here's the interesting thing. Rosario, not a great defender at shortstop, but he had a phenomenal second half. Hit well over th- – I think he hit 309, 116 WRC plus, walked a good deal – that's a guy that anchors shortstop until Arias is ready. And mm-hmm. then you can sort it out from there. That seems to make the most sense to me. The guardians think that Tyler Freeman is the middle infield tandem with Gabriel Arias moving forward. How high or low are you on Tyler Freeman? So Freeman to me is like that is safe bet to be what you think he's going to be about yeah. as safe as it gets high floor, low ceiling. Absolutely. I, I don't think he's very exciting. Um, I, I don't think that he's ever going to light the world on fire, but I think he's a very well-rounded hitter, knows knows himself as a hitter, doesn't expand the zone, great bat-to-ball skills. If he can have a little bit more power creep in, even average power, now now it changes things. 
like you can hope for a little bit more in there. But if he's playing second base for you, he's going to play phenomenal second base. He's going to be a plus defender there. And he's going to hit for good average. That's a guy I'm happy with if the rest of my lineup is hitting well. If Jose Ramirez is my third baseman, I don't care. That's Tyler Freeman's my second baseman. That's a good table setter. Um, and, and it puts a little bit more pressure on Arias's bat, but we know he's capable of the power. I think that that's a really good up the middle duo that's going to be cheap and controllable and allow you to spend money elsewhere. You know, I, I really do kind of like in 2022, Ahmed Rosario is your shortstop, Tyler Freeman is your second baseman, and Arias, when he's ready to give those guys a day off, and hopefully he makes his way maybe into a second base role before he makes the move to short when they're ready to move on from Ahmed Rosario. If we're looking at organizational fillers in the middle infield, Owen Miller's fine. Like he's Danny Mendick level, right? He's a guy that can just slide in. Yu Chang is also fine. (laughs) They can just slide in. Like those are pretty solid middle infielders. You can call up from Columbus and know that you're not losing a crazy amount. You're losing something, but you're not losing too, too much. No, that's a very solid. Those are two solid bench bats. I've always thought Miller's he's disappointed me a little bit. I thought he'd translate a bit better. I still think he's a good high floor bat that can play all over. Um, and, and Chang's interesting. He's got some pop. And uh, that's, when, when you can plug somebody in the lineup on a day off and he, there's a chance that he can run into a baseball, there's something to be said. Yes, he's going to strike out, but that's a bench bat. I'm cool with that. Pinch hitter that can really run into that, I'm good with that. Uh, the real question is what are they going to do with all these freaking middle infielders, right? Because you've got Arias, you've got Freeman, you've got Jimenez, and you've got now, of course, Rosario as well. The question would have been to move Rosario to center. I know that he got some reps out there, but they went out and we'll get there. They went out and got Miles Straw. So what are you doing here? I think that this is where we start getting into the trade chips. But do you want to wait and see how it all plays out with these guys? Like, I think you know what Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez are, even at their best. You don't know what Tyler Freeman and, and Gabriel Arias are. And I think Arias is the highest ceiling of the bunch. And I think Freeman's floor is a lot more exciting than the other two to, two guys. You've also got Brian Rocchio, Aaron Bracho, Jose Tena waiting in the minor leagues. You exactly. have this insane surplus of minor league middle infielders or prospect middle infielders that can go and get you outfield help. Before we move on to the outfield, real quick, we don't need to spend any time on Jose Ramirez. We know what he is. He's going to be the everyday He's third baseman. Good. He's a World Series caliber third baseman. He's an MVP caliber baseball player. How close is Nolan Jones real quick? Nolan Jones, I think, is ready to go. Um, and, and that's the interesting thing is I'm, I've never been that high on Nolan Jones, but he did do some things last year that I think really have to have you encouraged if you were in the Guardians front office. And one of them was hit lefties. He could not hit lefties for the life of him prior to last year. And last year, his splits were pretty even. After a disastrous start, he couldn't have had a much worse start to the season. He finished pretty strong. Um, he's somebody that could have it click at the big league level, and you're like, holy crap. You know, like he's somebody that has all the tools. He's got crazy raw power, has never quite tapped into it. But the fact that he's hitting lefties now, he walks a lot. That's somebody that I'm expecting them to, to actually address the outfield with moving forward because obviously he's not going to play third, and there's some questions about his glove. Uh, he could also play first potentially too. And I wouldn't hate that, but we know how much help they need in the outfield. And Jones is, I think pretty much big league ready. Again, you're going to see how we can do. I think he cut down on the K's walks a ton and now hits lefties. There's a, there's a lot to be encouraged about. That'll be cool. I mean, he's nowhere near this bat and I don't think he'll ever get to this bat, but I kind of like the Chris Bryant scenario where he's yeah. an average defender at third, first, left, and right. 
he can do that. He can't play center like KB can, but I think that Nolan Jones can be a left fielder on a Tuesday night. Yeah. I mean, the guy was a hockey player. Um, he's not fast, but he he's moves well. He's an athlete. Um, and, and I think a, a KB light is, is the best case scenario you're hoping for. And that helps this team a lot because his bat's still always going to play. Uh, he's going to have a chance to run into baseballs and they need guys like that. That's why I keep saying it. They need dudes that you can even hope are going to hit a home run in certain spots. Like there's too many light hitters. That's a guy that can help them with the flexibility, the versatility and move them all over. I, I love that. And I think that's part of what their plan is. All right. Okay. So here's the shittiest outfield in Major League Baseball. You ready? Yeah. Here are the guys that we know are going to break camp with them in 2022. Josh Naylor, Bradley Zimmer, Miles Straw, who they just signed, and Oscar Mercado. Yeah. That sucks. And, and you know, Naylor was swinging it. He's coming off of a catastrophic injury. A massive you know, that was, injury. That was horrible, man. Like I st- That one hurt me, too, because, you know, it was just so nice to see him start to put it together. The guys bounced around, start, was drafted by the Marlins, was traded to San Diego, finally lands in Cleveland, gets a chance, and was putting it together offensively. Uh, but, you know, that, that was a rough one, and you know, hopefully he's back, but you can't really count on that. So you, you're looking at that outfield. But in, in any other situation, I could justify Miles Straw as a starter because of how good he is offensively. But when the best offense in baseball says, hey, he's expendable, which is the one team that I think, you know, should be like, yeah, we need the glove first outfielder. Yeah. I, I think that kind of tells you how much he leaves to be desired on the offensive side of things. That's a guy that you should, a playoff team has as a fourth outfielder. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm not really letting him stop me from making other moves. And that could even be moving Rosario to center field. Yes. Straw is superior and that might be crazy, but I just think he leaves so much to be desired offensively that you might be better off treating him more as a fourth outfielder unless the defense really struggles for whoever you put out there. But I mean, they, they need offense out there. You cannot give yeah. up that much. In you know, off the top of that, you said he, he was so exceptional offensively. He meant defensively. There. Oh, sorry. I meant but, defensively. Yes. Thank you for yeah. catching that. So straw is an exceptional defender. You know who I really think could come in and be a serviceable offensive center fielder for them is Steven Kwan. I'm yes. a big Steven Kwan guy. Yes. Yes, and that's that. This could change everything for them if Stephen Kwan is what we think he can be, and he's really emerged. He raked in Double A, raked in Triple A, and dude, I have a stat for you. What do you think Stephen Kwan's zone contact is? The, the big league average is about eighty-three percent. What do you think his was in Double and Triple A? All right, so the league average is 83%. Stephen Kwan, yes. we're talking pitches that he made contact with on swings in the strike zone. Yes. If it's 83, I'm going to guess above average, I'm going to say 90. So his zone contact rate was 96%. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every pitch he swung at pretty much in the strike zone he made contact with. Like, to put that into context – really there's only a handful of guys in the big leagues. And I know it's different doing it in the big leagues, but like that's Mookie Betts level stuff. I think Mookie's 92, 93, obviously Mookie's hitting the ball way harder, but I would take Mookie Betts with less power (laughs) any day of the week. Um, We're not saying he's going to be that, but this is a really intriguing offensive guy. Like if you're listening right now, look up Steven Kwan's stats and you're going to be like, Holy cow. How did I not hear more about this guy? There's a reason why Cleveland opened up a roster spot and added him to the 40 man roster. He would have went, 
like this. He might have been the first pick of the of the Rule Five draft oh if they God. didn't add him to the forty man roster. When Oregon State won the national title, Pat Casey, that was his swan song. Adley Rutschman, Nick Madrigal, those were the guys that were getting all the pub. It was pretty obvious that Stephen Kwan and Nick Madrigal were sipping the same Pat Casey Kool Aid there because they have zero swing and miss. And Stephen Kwan, by the way, oh, I forgot Trevor Larnick too. He was on that Oregon State team, but crazy Kwan is leadoff guy, exceptional defensive center fielder that can steal bases. And oh, by the way, he doesn't strike out. That sounds like a really good option to be a center fielder for your team. Yeah, I would almost prefer that, you know, over Miles Straw, I think. He's a left-handed bat as well. Uh, Way more upside, clearly. I don't know. We'd have to dig up the numbers. I would venture to say that unless, unless he had a freak year, I don't think Miles Straw ever had that kind of year in the minor leagues. Uh, so I, I'm betting on, even though the exit velos aren't crazy for Quan, he's able to get some carry. He's able to, to get the most out of it. I, I would much rather have that guy in center. If he can hit, you hold on to straw, you make him your fourth outfielder. He'll still get a ton of, a, a ton of run as a late game replacement as a guy that's going to play a ton. I, I would be okay with, with starting with Quan and seeing how he does. And then you can default back to straw if he struggles. One guy I want to mention before we get to the free agents and wrap this thing up. And I don't want to say this hyperbolically. I genuinely mean this. I think George Valera has superstar capabilities. No doubt about it. And that's funny because that they really need help in the outfield. But then Valera might be one of the most exciting prospects offensively in this entire system. I think he is the most exciting prospect offensively in this entire system. I think he's the guy. Unbelievable. You got to see him, right? I mean, you yeah. called games with him on the field. Plenty of times unbelievable bat speed just just ridiculous just whip that you just can't teach uh that gives makes me think he's gonna have 30 plus home run power no problem yeah so i've seen valera two separate years i saw him in 2019 in short season a ball with the indian short season affiliate i'm totally blank Uh, the mahoning valley scrappers it was in mahoning Mm -hmm. valley pennsylvania i want to say that is and then i saw him this year with high a lake county and valera the way the bat comes through the zone. I mean, he had some like viral bat flips on bombs to dead center that I called. I was sitting there and I was like, he just hit that ball to the stratosphere. Oh my God. Valera is the kind of guy that just looks like a really, really good athlete. And then 420 comes out of nowhere. Like 420 to right center is something that he does. And it doesn't look like he should be doing that, but that's what his swing creates. He's one of those guys that transcends his frame. You know, yeah. like he's got crazy juice. And the, an interesting thing is, I, I'm curious if you noticed this. Probably between times you saw him, he used to have a lot of movement to get to where he needed to get before yeah. unleashing. And he was much more toned down this year. I thought it was, I mean, there's still some movement, but I thought it was much more toned down. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the K rate dropped, uh, his overall contact rates improved. And it didn't come at expense of his ridiculous power. Uh, that's why this guy, he, he made it up to double A last year. You're not going into next year, banking on him being a part of the team, but if they're competing and he's continuing to swing it the way he, he can swing it. And we've seen that's a guy that could end up being a call up later in the year. Uh, and, and wouldn't that be a nice little boost for them? I mean, that would change everything. So when I see the swing, I see an athletic Kyle Schwarber. Wow. I mean, there is that kind of just explosiveness. Um, yeah, and, I see and it in lift. the load too. I see the it in hock back. It's crazy easy lift. And and that's the thing is he doesn't need to be a gargantuan to kind of do that Kyle Schwarber type of uh, output. The exit velos are on par, believe it or not. 
with Kyle Schwarber, you know, just, just a hair below, like which kind of when he really connects, which kind of puts it in perspective there too. Hey, by the way, speaking of Schwarber, I think Kyle Schwarber is a great fit with the Cleveland guardians. I know he actually couldn't, he, there couldn't be a better fit that they need somebody like him so badly, like so badly. I think he could be the guy, but would they spend that? This is the biggest thing with the guardians. They have not spent more than, I think it was like 40 million. It might even be less than that in several, several years. And the largest contract they've ever given out was three years, 60 million to Edwin Encarnacion. It was a good deal for them. He gave them two good years and they traded him. But when that's the biggest deal in franchise history, like, are they going to do that? I think that when you look at this squad, this, that's the type of move you can justify because he could be the type of dude that puts you over the top. And the thing is, is look, we kind of got the pulse of fans a little bit that they're a little frustrated. And I'm sure the guardians ownership knows that. And a, a, a signing like that, which won't nearly break the bank. It'll be a fraction of Lindor still. It'll still be well in the green. Mm-hmm. And let's be real again. Class A is under control for several, several years. You still have Bieber under control for several years. Your middle infield, as we mentioned, all under control. Nolan Jones will be under control. The whole squad's under control and cheap. Make the gesture that the fans deserve. The Guardians have $29 million committed to their current roster right now. That's the lowest payroll for 2022 in all of Major League Baseball. You've got money. Like we're saying, with Tampa Bay, they can sign the guys to big money if they so choose. The Guardians, if they pick out their right guy, they can sign them to a $50 million contract. Kyle Schwarber's not looking at $100 million. He's looking at 50. Maybe it goes down. We have no idea what the market is going to look like, how the market adapts after the lockout. If Schwarber is a $40 million guy, he's from the state of Ohio. Granted, he's, he's from just outside of Cincinnati, but that's still state of Ohio. He can get back to the Midwest. He obviously liked being a Cub. He can get back to his area. He can get back to his home state, and he can fill in these holes out in left. Schwarber can play left field. He can play right if he needs. He can play first base. The Red Sox just proved that to us. Yep. Kyle Schwarber has some defensive versatility. Granted, he's not that good defensively, but he's got defensive versatility and the bat is worth $50 million. You already have a DH in Framil Reyes for sure, but you can go get Schwarber and have two big sluggers in your lineup. And that is an immediate boost for a team that has no offense. Hey, they showed it with Edwin. You know, that was the kind of move they made. It's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. Uh, so, I mean, I think you made the case there. I would love that kind of move. And especially when the rest of your team is so cheap, it's not just cheap because they're like, oh, we don't care about competing. It's cheap because they have so much talent under control. Their entire rotation's under control. They're, they're the best bullpen arms are under control. It's ridiculous. So you, you have to be okay, I think, with spending. And you don't need to commit five plus years to make a huge change to your, your offense. Like Schwarber, I think three, maybe four, at the high end would, would be able to do that. And, and that's something that I think they, they have to be able to be okay with if they really want to win. A couple other names I want to throw out here. I'm actually looking at lefty outfield bats right now. Corey Dickerson, Jock Peterson. Got one more for you. Alex Dickerson. What do you think about those three names? They're not sexy names. Jock obviously being the sexiest of all them, but they're names that can help this offense and provide an everyday left-handed bat for them. 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind Corey Dickerson. Uh, he, he's definitely somebody that hits better in hitter-friendly environments. It's pretty. He's one of the more fragile guys in that aspect, but I think he could be fine in Cleveland. Um, Alex Dickerson's got some some power too. That's not a bad left-handed bat as well. I think any of those guys are justifiable and can kind of fill in and be better than Rosario was for them. Remember, Rosario was great after, but Rosario was a sub-700 OPS guy for Cleveland. Uh, so they would get a nice little boost there. I think any of those bats, that's probably what they are targeting, but they should be targeting a bit higher. And not just because we want to spend other people's money, uh, because like we said, they are in a very desirable spot for the next several years. So even on the back end when they might have to spend more money because a lot of guys will be up for free agency and they may need to extend guys, they don't need to worry about that for two years. So they could even front load Schwarber's contract, which nobody does. And that would encourage him maybe to take less on the back end. And you could be in a better spot there. Like that's something that not a lot of teams can offer and Cleveland can, and still wouldn't even feel it given how cheap they are uh, in terms of what their payroll obligations are moving forward. By the way, the highest zone contact rate per baseball savant last year, David yeah. Fletcher, 93.9%. So Stephen Kwan would have been, you know, obviously he's not facing big league pitchers, right? but I mean, that kind of puts into context that might've been the highest zone contact in all the minor leagues. I have no idea. There's no way for me to know that. Uh, but I can tell you that it was, it was elite beyond elite. Let's go trade for a hitter before we talk free agent relievers. And then we say, bye, what kind of hitter that would be available via trades would be worth a couple of good middle infield prospects. And so to back it up a step, what is, or who are you most okay trading? Are you more okay trading the, the the prospects that are in the minor leagues right now, like Rocchio and Tana, or are you trying to trade Ahmed Rosario and Jimenez uh, and those guys? I, I think Jimenez's value is a little diminished, but at the same time, he's incredibly young still um, and, and is a slick defender. Rosario finished really strong, and his value might not be as high as it's ever. It might not be ever higher than it is right now. Or could you give your trade partner the best of both worlds and give them a Jimenez and a Rocchio for a good player? Yeah. Right. I think all of those are options. And the reason why I asked that is because that kind of influences what I'm looking at here in terms of teams, because there's a list of teams. You could see another, I said it on thing on the last podcast. I think I just really want to see one of these, but I want to see a big league for big leaguer trade. Cause those just never happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and I look at some teams around the league, like who would be okay doing big league for big league. It's hard to find, but who desperately needs middle infield help who desperately could use shortstop help. That's where you can start to, to put it together there. And I look at, of course, the angels, I look at the Phillies. Uh, I look at the Cardinals, for example, uh, who else could I be missing here that could use a big league shortstop now uh, and would be real willing to give up something on the other end, you know, giving up maybe a, a solid big league ready piece or depth piece in the outfield. Uh, like it's a tough matchup. And that's why I think you might have to ultimately go to a rebuilding team and, and offer the prospects. Cause that might be what they're more interested in. Uh, like an Arizona team that wants a little bit of both. That could be your partner. Yeah. I'm, I, you got me hooked on the Cardinals. Cause if they went and got a med Rosario, if you packaged Rosario and Rokio, is that enough for Bader? That would. It's hard. No, 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 probably not. Right. Not after what he did last year. And I think he's untouchable. Yeah. Like, go, I, go to MLB trade machine, punch it in. Oh yeah. That that'll answer it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They'll let us know. Um, um, 
Okay, so Lars Newtbar, you can go and get Newt for probably not too. Mm. Ah, you might have to. You could get Newt. You could get Newt. You could get Newt. You could get Newtbar for what? Rokio? Yeah, straight up. I think. Straight up. Is Lars Newbar that good? Like, are we sure he's that good? No, but he could be an add to that outfield. Like, you don't need Rokio. You've got guys that haven't even cracked the bigs. Rokio's in the same spot. Like, why would you hold on to Rokio if you've got Gabriel Arias ready to go? I agree. I agree. And, and, and that's the thing. And even if Arias doesn't pan out, you got a bunch of other guys that would potentially be there yeah. already. Maybe and, you like Tana more. Yeah. I don't know. So I, what about the D-backs? The D-backs claim that they don't want to go full rebuild. So, okay, you don't want to go full rebuild. David Peralta, is that getting you excited? Maybe not, but he's kind of decent. He's pretty good. But what? Like, I think any, any of those young guys is too much for David Peralta. So now you're making it like a larger deal, right? Like, what, what are you doing? Okay, so how about, because you've got that hole at first base, Bobby Bradler. Um, I'm going to try for Paven Smith. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. Paven Smith for Rokio and maybe another organization guy. Well, they got to throw in David Peralta. You got to give me David Peralta on that too. What are the D-backs going to do with David Peralta? Okay, so could you go Peralta and Smith for Ahmed Rosario and Brian Rokio? That's an overpay. Wow. Okay, so Peralta and Smith for Rosario and a guy in the 20 and to 30 range. Or like, so, yeah, someone like even Tana or below. I think I, they like Tana. Like, what about like an Aaron Bracho? Yes, something like that. What? What even? You could even go lighter and go for Christian Walker and uh, platoon with Bobby Bradley there. Christian Walker murders lefties. Bradley hits much better against righties. You platoon at first. Wait, now, what I like um, about Smith is his ability to play the corner outfield spots. Ah, we're going for the versatility route. Yeah, I like that. yeah. You're a low budget team. You need versatility. Yeah, and you know what? I I still like Paven Smith. Like I I still think I still believe in him. I still think that he can be a dude uh, for them, and and I think he can swing it a bit better than people give him credit for. Another interesting one. I don't know if they're okay parting with him, but I, I feel like you got to be okay. But at the same time, then you have nowhere to really put him. So I'm actually shutting this down as I'm saying it. <laughs> I was gonna say Seth Beer but the guy is the worst defender I've ever seen in my life. No yeah. offense to him. He rakes. And you so already that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. You, you're probably not going to do that one. Um, so I would love a Christian Walker slash Peralta deal, but Paven Smith would be the best case scenario if they're okay with trading him. They've got enough dudes like that. Like they've got yeah. Josh Rojas. They've got several guys coming up that are outfielders as well. Uh, I think that they'd be fine trading Pavin Smith at this juncture. Okay. You know what? Screw the relievers. We're going to end on this. We're going to put together, you know, that, that graphic trade, right? The trade where Ben Bellotti puts it together on the, <laughs> on the graphic and we pump it out on social media, David Peralta and Pavin Smith for who, for the Cleveland guardians. Oh, shoot. I, like the, so the problem is I really struggle to contextualize the value on like Brian Rocchio. Cause I know people love him and he had a really, really good year. So I think the value on him is, is really rising quickly. I don't know if, if you even need to trade Rokio in that deal, if you're going to do that. I, I think you can go with Andre Jimenez. Ah, like hold me accountable here. Andre Jimenez, and you could probably go lower level like Angel Martinez, or you could go with, with Jose Tena. Let's say Jimenez and Tena. Jimenez Does that get and- it done? 
Jimenez and Tana. And we'll throw Smith in like a third dude. And Peralta. I think you got to add one more guy. To be honest, I think Jimenez and Roquillo gets it done. Can we call it, can we call it Jimenez and Roquillo for Yes, David but Smith? then I want Arizona eating the money for David Peralta if, I, if I'm doing that. <sighs> wow. Okay. All right. David Peralta and Paven Smith for Brian Roquillo and Andres Jimenez. And they eat cash. We just spent about 40 minutes on the Cleveland Guardians. How do you feel about their team? They still aren't, aren't great. <laughs> but like they're a couple of pieces close. Or they're oh, a did, did they get Schwarber? Away. Did they get Schwarber in this instance? Right. Do they get Schwarber? That's the big question. Do they get Schwarber? Okay. Well, also, if they get Schwarber, Paven Smith, and David Peralta, is their whole team just lefties? Yeah, maybe, but that's fine. I mean, there are a lot of righties in Major League Baseball. It's <laughs> yeah, cool. With that. I guess that's cool with me. Yeah. Like, okay, you, you take that team and now you add Schwarber, Paven Smith, and Peralta. Okay, so how about if you get Schwarber, you make it Christian Walker instead of Paven Smith? Yeah, now you don't have to give up as much in the prospect department. I feel like we can make a more exciting trade than that, though, to be frank. Like, I know you so want to wrap this thing up, but, like, we got to do better than that. All right, you know what? Let, let's sit here and workshop. Uh, <laughs> who do we you want? Do better than this is, like, the lamest player. end to an episode ever. Like, congratulations. We got you two really mediocre players. Like, I do yeah, like David Smith, but mm. I don't know. What, a, what about the Baltimore Orioles? And you go get mm, – the Orioles They're not trading in today. The Orioles want to keep their young core for the next batch to come up, and, like, they think their window opens in two years. Yeah, well, they're crazy. Um, <laughs> what about – Ah, see, Oakland wouldn't do it. What are what are the Phillies getting you? This is tough, man. It's a tough game. Playing GM's tough. Playing GM's tough. I like Arizona as a trade partner. Yeah, I do. that might be the best. I'm looking around. I'm like, yeah, that might be the best bet. We're talking about a cheap ass team. Yeah, we are talking about a cheap ass team that would actually, if their pitching is to the caliber that we think it can be, and their prospects are performing at a big league level that we think at least some of them can. I, I kind of like it. One more for you though. Maybe, maybe this could be an interesting one. What if they went with like a CJ crone who, who I, I know you're buying high on the altitude. I know you're doing it, but you go CJ crone and Rymel Tapia. Is he even getting, did he get non-tender? <laughs> I think he might've gotten non-tender. With actually. his 120% ground ball rate. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you know, forget Tapia. People can tell we're truly, we're truly just workshopping this one right now, but I would love that. Like, give me some CJ Crone. That guy rakes. I don't care what you tell me. He rakes. Little CJ Crone action. How is CJ Crone less boring than Paven Smith and David Peralta? It's not, it's not no. like this is, this is really depressing. It's not but, sexy, but it's the end of the episode. Yeah. Fair. Sorry. Sorry, Guardian fans. Hell, you know what? That team could make something happen. That team could make something happen. They could. I believe. Pete and I will talk to you tomorrow. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. 
With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.